Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey, it's Kelly at Zinni Me, and I thought I'd share today some of the stuff I covered with my coaching clients as we look at their private practice processes and systems. Man, sometimes that stuff feels so boring, and it's something that I find a lot of private practice owners avoid, or they just carry all this information jumbled inside of their head of how things work in their business. And today I met with two of my clients who are adding clinicians and expanding into group practice. And what we're doing is organizing all those systems and processes, thinking through the steps, what's necessary, what isn't, getting them documented so that way when they add in staff, the boundaries are already set. The expectations are really clear and they feel more organized and have some direction as leaders. But even if you are a solo practitioner and you have no plans on adding another clinician, really getting all of your systems and processes documented and thought through will help you save time in the long run because you'll discover you're doing stuff you don't need to be doing. It'll help you delegate if ever you wanna outsource some of those tasks to somebody. And it will help you grow because You will have things in place to keep you organized. You'll be able to make better financial decisions, how decisions on how you want to spend your time and and all of that. So I also want to argue that when you have systems and processes in place, it's for the benefit of your clients as well. When a business runs smoothly, when it's organized, then that removes any kind of business chaos from interrupting the clinical work. From the intake process to discharging to all the different things that impact clients, if you don't have that organized, your clients feel that. And so when we show up for our businesses and we think through how our business operations are organized or how we're doing things, It is a respect for not only ourselves and our time and our staff's time, but also for our clients. We hold a frame basically of saying, hey, I got you. I've thought through things. I'm taking care of things so that all you need to do is come in and be here with me and let's do the work. So I just wanted to go over some of the key processes and systems that we cover when we're doing coaching and evaluating like the business operations so that your private practice is going smoothly, so that you're thinking through any impact on client outcomes and it's improving income at the same time. So let's just start from the beginning. Marketing. Do you have some marketing processes in place? That way you show up consistently in your community, you show up in the places where your ideal client is at, you're building relationships and it's organized. You know, one of the things is sometimes people don't have a system for tracking their referrals. We have a lot of our boot campers do a tracking sheet. 
I have my coaching clients create a Google form where they fill out a form every time they get a phone call, they track who the referrals are for, what the issue is, and the outcome. So then every month when they're planning out their marketing, they can go back and say, these are the people that referred, and I want to continue to build relationships. I need to call them, see if there's anything else that I can do to be of support, find out what's going on with them. And it's a good kind of like reminder of how to continue to foster those relationships and not let them just kind of fall by the wayside. So in your marketing, having time scheduled for your marketing, having a plan around your marketing, have a process for following up, being consistent, and aligning your message with your core mission and values for why your business even exists. You know, if you are out there and you want to focus on your niche and, and certain services, all of that needs to be aligned. Why does this even impact client outcomes? Well, let's say you're not clear about who you work with and you just start taking anybody who comes through the door or you don't have clear marketing, you're gonna get a lot of calls that aren't a right fit and you may take them anyway. Um, and that's a waste of people's time versus when we could be really helpful to those clients when they're calling and when they get connected with the right therapist from the get-go, that's gonna be a better therapeutic relationship um, and create less hassle for them and for you. So one of the things that came up in boot camp the other day, someone was saying, hey, I'm using the initial consultation script. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, but it's like the people who are calling are not the right fit. Then we know that that's a marketing issue and we can go back and look at all the processes. Where are you consistent? What are the things that you're doing? How are you getting your message out? And then that will shift who calls. So marketing processes do have a direct impact on client outcomes. And of course, your income. The more people you get to call, the more consistent you are in your marketing, the more you will have calls. As you have the right kinds of calls, for your type of practice, you're gonna have better outcome and you'll have consistency with your clients for great income as well. The other process that needs to be looked at is how you do intakes. From the initial consultation, to booking them, to getting them to fill out all of their documentation and all of that kind of stuff, you want to be sure that you have a process in place. Now in bootcamp we do like a lot of uh, scripts and if you have an assistant who answers the phone you you need that to be systematized and documented so that they have clarity about the order in which to have a conversation and how to evaluate clinical fit um, this makes it easier for clients to access mental health services when you have a process in place there is nothing worse than like calling someone who doesn't really have a plan or know how to talk to you and you're trying to get help but it seems like they don't even know how to help you through that. So when you come at that call really prepared and with confidence and clarity about what kind of work you do, that gives the client confidence to make a best decision for themselves. So I think it improves accessibility for mental health care and it helps educate as well. Even if people aren't a good fit, having a process for referring out. Um, one of the things that I have my clients do, if they have an assistant, they have categories in a Trello board where they will list 
the different kinds of niches and who they refer to based on those niches that they don't serve. So for example, if you are a couples therapist but you don't see kids, you might have a referral directory that you give your assistant and say, these are the people I recommend for these kinds of issues if they're not a good fit. If fee is an issue, here are the other kinds of nonprofits or agencies that they can do. And here's how we explain how you use your insurance if we don't take insurance. So delineating all of that, you provide a service to the community to be someone who is educating and empowering people to find the best fit for them. And you're ensuring that who you accept into your practice is a good fit with you, makes the therapeutic relationship better. That improves your income as well because you're only, you have integrity from the beginning. You have a process in place. What a gift to people to have thought through this process, to have it organized and delineated out for them. So I know it sounds so boring and it sounds like robotic, but the truth is it's not, it's an authentic way that we care for other people is by being organized. If we bring our chaos to the table, we're asking our clients to hold that for us and we don't wanna do that. So your intake process, you wanna document that, maybe have an initial consultation script, have a process for your referrals, really be clear on the questions to ask to ensure clinical fit. And it just makes it easier for people to get the mental health care that they need, which we want, right? Yes, we all want that. Okay, next is outcomes. Now, this is really interesting in boot camp because I come from like the psychodynamic world. Um, and when we have like CBT people, we have all kinds of different therapists. And how you measure outcomes, it, it varies really. Now, um, Scott Miller, he has um, some software around this and some people use that. Um, but the main thing is, is the essence is we want to be sure that what we are doing is helpful. We want to be checking in with our clients. We want to kind of set some expectations of this is how therapy works. Um, some, you know, in my informed consent, I did say you will start to feel worse before you still start to feel better sometimes. That was the case as we kind of opened up things that would get hard but then we would find relief down the road. So really knowing how you do that, making sure that that's part of your documentation, that you're either checking in, maybe you do have measurement tools, but that way when you track your caseload and or the caseload of your staff, you can see are people going through therapy and experiencing a transformation? Are they ending therapy or are they dropping out of therapy? This really can come in handy too when you are working with staff or yourself. If you're seeing that, hey, I have a lot of people that show up for one to two sessions, we aren't really done, we've just got started and then they stop coming. When we can look at, well, what's happening in the intake process? Is there something in the marketing and you can work your way back? Is there something that's not happening in the first session, the second session, the third session? And then you can start to look at what do, what do we need to shift, whether that be in terms of skill set or processes to ensure that clients get what they need from the work that they're doing here. Now, some people do, uh, you know, rapid kind of therapies. They have shorter term. It is not about how long you can keep someone in practice. This is about 
measuring that people are getting results and transformation from their work for you from you so really having this will also help you with managing staff um, giving them some direction and guidance as in terms of how um, they're doing clinically and, and help you to mentor them or educate them if you need them to grow in certain areas, as well as for yourself personally if you're still seeing clients. Um, you want to be looking at outcomes. This benefits the client because, especially if you do collaborative outcome um, stuff where you really, some people do this like with their collaborative documentation where they're involving the client in reflecting on their outcomes. And um, this process also can increase your income as well because you are doing right by the client. You're ensuring that you have good fit, the right amount of like therapy required or necessary for this person. That is always gonna provide referrals as people have great outcomes they will talk about you that's going to build up your practice as well so this is a win-win this is good for the client this is for good for you as a clinician and good for you as a business owner hey it's kelly are you enjoying today's episode there is so much more to starting your private practice that's why we created business school for therapists it's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. One of the other areas that a lot of therapists struggle is in their financial processes. And today I was going over this with a client and it turned out like their bookkeeping was wonky. And so we were looking at, okay, what are the key things you need to be looking at in your financial processes? So every year you should be sitting down and creating a budget. You should understand your payroll. If you have staff, you should have uh, an understanding of pay bonuses, pay scales, because sometimes people, they hire, but then they don't really know how much they can max afford to pay a clinician. So then the clinician has no sense of what the potential is for them. But if you have a scale and you know this is the most that this position can ever be paid for, how do you, how do, you do reviews so that you know how much to give a raise and those kinds of things. So we want your payroll and wages to be sorted a budget done annually. You should run your um, uh, profit and loss report monthly and have cash flow so that you are, you always have your taxes set aside. You always are paying yourself. Then you know what is remaining for your expenses. Um, and some of this, you do need a financial advisor. Sometimes it, as a business owner and as I am married to another business owner, we have to think through you know, some tax strategies. So you have an accountant, a bookkeeper, a financial advisor, so that you can keep all these things straight and really maximize some of the benefits of owning a business. In the US, for example, there are some benefits based on the different type of corporation that you have that will help you with financial planning down the road with retirement. So sometimes 
part of the process is organizing a team together to support you. And then looking at your cash flow. Every month you should be looking at your expenses, making sure that you're holding to your budget and that you are setting aside reserves and things like this. Um, and then investing in growth. Maybe you wanna invest in your clinicians. Maybe you want to add more training and those kinds of things. Putting that into the budget, setting aside money, preparing for growth is really a great thing. Another wonderful thing that I do with my clients is we do projections. We look at the past few years and we look at growth and what is it gonna to take to grow even more? Or do we wanna have a year where we hold and we repeat the growth that we had last year? So being able to put some of these processes in place will help. So as the business owner, as the private practice owner, you need to be doing your billing every day. So charging your clients, that's every day. As the session happens, credit card on file, charging that. If you take insurance, submitting those bills to um, your processor, right? And then you need to be looking at your expenses either weekly or at least monthly. You want your bookkeeping to be updated monthly. You need to run your reports monthly and look at them and understand what they mean. You every year want to set a budget as well and stick to that. And cash flow, understanding how much goes where and why. Oof. This is why it's helpful to have some financial experts. Um, and we go over this in boot camp in terms of like the order of which you should get an expert, but it will come down to an accountant, which you need for your taxes, a financial advisor. Some financial advisors can look at your business um, cash flow and your personal cash flow and make advisements on that. And then um, your bookkeeper. Some people do their bookkeeping on their own, other people hire that out. So those are kind of the three financial team members that you can have, but you still need some processes in place. And for my clients, I have them put it on the calendar of like, this is the time when I review my finances every month. And then once a year, this is the time when I set my budget and think about like, okay, what trainings do I wanna go to this year? Um, how many more staff am I going to add this year? And what kind of cash flow do I need for those things to happen? Next, you also want a process if you have staff for clinical supervision and case consultation. This really kind of comes down to your vision for your group practice and what you're wanting in terms of clinical growth and collaboration. But there needs to be some sort of process and how people handle um, stuck places in their therapeutic work and what the process is. Where do they go for help? How do they get support? Because this is one of their major, this is their job duty. So you need some processes in place to ensure their development and growth, to ensure that the outcomes are, are coming along and um, that people are getting the support as clinicians that they, they need. So, um, some group practices will choose to have um, ongoing weekly case consultation for people to show up to. Some of you are going to have um, clinicians who do require um, clinical supervision and hours to be signed off and those kinds of things. But putting this into a routine and schedule is important. And when you are doing supervision, having processes for it, not just looking at your staff and saying, okay, what do you need from me? But being really proactive and thoughtful about what's gonna help them develop and grow as a clinician, um, covering certain aspects, educating on different topics. 
this is important. If you give to your staff, they will give back to you as well. And I feel like it's such a unique honor for group practice owners, even if you're working with licensed clinicians, another way you're giving back to the field is by ensuring the clinical um, growth and maturity of your clinicians. They give back to their clients. It just is that ripple effect. And it's one of the ways that we contribute to um, valuing each other. So having some processes in place to ensure that there is good clinical support is important. And then there's the HR processes. Um, this one I actually love, I think it's so fun. <laughs> so for example, we talk about the vision of the practice will inform who is on your team. And then from there you can start to write job descriptions and from your job descriptions, then you can cre create an application process and then your interview process your hiring process, and then your onboarding and management process. So this looks like an employee manual, um, but it also looks like how you set the frame from the beginning. Just like in marketing, you set the frame for who you work with. In hiring, your job description, going through that vision of what you want for your practice sets the frame for who you wanna hire. So. These processes, I have um, my clients create Trello boards where they have each job that they position on their team, the description, and then the application and the interview questions that they ask for all of those. So that it's always organized and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So often if you don't document this stuff, the next time you have to do it, you have to recreate it again. And it's a waste of time, money, and energy and if what you can do is let's say this is your first time hiring you go, you establish a process you do the job description all these things you go through interview and then you think I should have asked this or I'm so glad I I threw this question in here then you can go back and add that to your process and not hope that you remember it the next time that you're hiring it's that you're just keeping everything documented and organized um, the last process that I want to talk to is about the bigger picture business planning processes. So we go through this in bootcamp a lot about the first thing off the bat is kind of that vision and it's constantly reevaluated and redone. This is not something you do the vision and then you walk away and it's over. You have to evaluate because your life changes, um, your, your knowledge of how things work changes and you may want a different thing than what you wanted three years ago. I know I do. I mean, that's just who we are as humans. We change and grow. So putting some processes in place in how you vision, how you plan, how you delegate, what tasks you focus on, what projects you do. I teach a grid in boot camp, for example, that breaks down this vision. So in five years, I want this and takes you down through this process to, okay, so what does that mean today for what I should be doing? So having some processes, time set aside, tools that you use for your business planning are essential. And all of these processes, and there are more, and there's little bits inside of them, but I think this kind of covers the overview is you as a business owner, whether sole practitioner or group owner, need to think through because this keeps you organized, it provides great clinical outcomes, it can increase your income, it definitely will reduce your stress. Now, if you're in practice already and you're like, oh my gosh, you are overwhelming me, Kelly. I get it. When you first get this stuff documented and organized, 
it can feel a little overwhelming. But once it's done, you can always go back and refer to it. Then you don't have to hold it in your brain anymore. So the other day I was coaching a client and they were talking about something that their staff had requested. And I said, well, what does your uh, employee manual say about that? And she just looked it up because she'd forgotten. She had made this decision a long time ago. It's never been an issue before. It came up, but she had already thought through this ahead of time. So then she's like, oh, I already have the policy in place. That's right. I don't have to remember it all. I think so much of the time when we own businesses, when we are in private practice, not only are we holding all the stories and all of the people that come into our office, we're also holding all of the stuff that it takes to run the business. And I really believe that if we can offload some of that, organize it, whether you're using a Trello board, Asana, Slack, or Google Sheets and, and different kind of Google apps, that really can alleviate a lot of the psychic stress of being a business owner. And it can give great boundaries for you and for your staff or your team, whoever you hire down the road. And as boring as it is, I know and I see without a doubt it really does influence decision-making and understanding of what is and isn't working in the business. So like I said, that person that came in and said, hey, I'm doing all these processes and then this is where things start to fall apart. We can say, oh, this is connected to how you're doing your marketing. So we know that's what needs to be fixed. And so it gives you direction and kind of a roadmap for how to evaluate what works and what doesn't. It also lists out like all the steps. So then when it comes time to, hey, it's not the best use of my time to be checking email. Who am I gonna delegate that to? What's the process for that? And then you can start getting support so that you do what you do best. And then you have a team that supports you and you keep it organized. The boundaries are there and the expectations are set. So these are just some things to think about when you're going through your processes and systems. So if you've stuck around this long, what I want you to do is go through these seven areas and start thinking through, do I have a process for this? Is this systematized? Do I have scheduling down for it? Do I know what I'm doing in this? And if you don't, just take one at a time and start documenting, just writing down. These are the things that I do for my intake. Okay, where can I organize this and keep it so that if I had to teach this to somebody else, I could just send them uh, the Trello board or I could send them a Google Sheet and they would know what to do. So first it's understanding what your processes are, then it's documenting them, then you evaluate to see if they're essential to running the business, how they impact the client outcome and your income and then decide if you're gonna delegate them, if you're gonna keep doing it, who does it belong to? Who's in charge of that process? And as you go through this, it gets easier and easier. And then every year, this will be refined. As your business grows and changes, you'll just evaluate things. Just like we say, you need to look at your informed consent at least every year to make sure that you know lessons learned are reflected in that informed consent. Is there something new you, you've discovered about the therapeutic process that you want to inform your clients about? Do you have a new policy that you need to think through? 
That's how business planning is. Every year you want to go through your processes and just evaluate, is this working? What needs to change? Is it necessary? And then you will see a direct correlation to improving outcomes for your clients and your income. That's why processes and systems are a win-win. And I know a lot of people love focusing on the pretty stuff of business, you know, like just the marketing, um, the website, and that stuff is important too. However, how your business runs directly impacts your clients too, not just the website. So it's an important factor to look at. So I encourage you to start documenting and thinking through all of your systems and processes. All right, thanks for hanging with me. You guys have a great day. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinimi.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.